Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Harry Gibbs. I'm a member at Browncroft and producer of the show. I'm joined by our host, Peter Engler, Director of Adult Ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, New York State Crew Director. The Why God Why podcast, we are asking the 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. Today's guest is Jess Slentz, and today's topic, we are answering the question, Why God Why does everyone feel the need to self-promote? So, John and Peter, let's uh, set the stage for Jess and this question we're asking today. I'm really glad to have a conversation with Jess about this question because this is her job. And I feel it pairs pairs nicely with our podcast that we did with Sarah Knight just before. So if you want to listen to that, but this is kind of taking it from being obnoxious to self-promoting. And I think that for many of our listeners, I think of this, including myself, how do you do that in a world where everybody's self-promoting? You know, Jess works at Nazareth College. She's um, done a ton of study on communication, and she does a lot of recommendations and grant writing. So I feel like we have a very wonderful person with a lot of experience to answer this question. Yeah, I'm excited about this combo too. And I think one of the things that I struggled with right out of college was the fact that I had been told my entire life, like, be humble. You know, that's that's a very much a virtue to be humble. And then I got into a, a job in which I was trying my best to be humble, and yet there was this expectation that, like, you also had at the same time, like, promote yourself and, like, talk about the good things that you were doing. And I didn't have a framework for that. I didn't have an, uh, like a way to kind of view my life in a, and self-promote in a positive way. What did that even look like? So I am super excited to talk with Jess because I know, I, 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 you know, we've, we've talked just briefly and I think she's got some great ideas about this. So Jess, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to have you here with us. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me here. I'm really excited to be here. Well, Jess, you know, why don't you tell us your story? I mean, you have experience in administration and academia. Tell us, you know, how you landed in this communications role. Oh, gosh, that's that's a long story. Um, I always knew since I was little that I wanted to do something with writing. Um, I thought that was for a while. I thought that was to write my like my book. Books like my favorite books that I read growing up. Um, I went through a b- brief period where I was convinced I was going to be a poet, and then I realized that was actually it's a really hard uh, career. Um, and then I sort of ran out of ideas. And then I realized that I really liked writing, and I liked writing that lived in the world in a very in a very tangible, everyday sort of way. So uh, my PhD is in rhetoric and composition, but before I am right now, I'm the director of research scholarship and innovation at NAS. So I help faculty um, write grants, which is a certain kind of self-promotion really. Um, But before that, I was a professor of professional writing. So I've helped, you're talking about coming out of college and trying to get a job. I've helped over 200 students um, at this point try or get their dream internship, dream job. Um, And this is always something that people have struggled with in varying degrees of some sort of spectrum. and so it's been something that I've actually thought a lot about. Um, I actually, I think back in 2014 on my blog, I wrote something about how it's it's okay to be proud of ourselves, being proud of ourselves and being arrogant, being prideful in an arrogant sort of way or being proud of ourselves in a an assured 
sense of our identity kind of way are two totally different things. Um, and we get them confused, I think. Yeah. Often. Yeah. Okay. So this is good. This is really good. So can you kind of set a baseline for us of that? Like, how does that, how does that look? Like, can, can you kind of contrast a little bit, give us a little contrast between like self-promotion that is obnoxious and self-centered, maybe, maybe self-centered mm -hmm. is a good, mm -hmm. is that, is that appropriate? Self-centered versus positive self-promotion. Um, I think that's really the key is self-centeredness and um, self-centeredness often happens with a certain amount of self-blindness. So if you, which is counter, which is, yeah, which is, <laughs> which is counterintuitive, really, um, you're, you know, you think that you are being self-centered, but really what you are is sort of. Oh, so when somebody is self-centered in that way that projects itself as arrogance or as that kind of um, uh, unproductive uh, pride or what we would recognize as arrogance, um, it's certain it's generally comes with a kind of blindness to our own faults, whereas self-confidence is is the ability to actually live in the fact that you are all of the above. You are good at some things. You are not good at other things. You succeed sometimes. You very much do not succeed at other times. And that those are not mutually exclusive. Mm. Um, so it's actually being able to productively self-promote requires a kind of self-awareness that pride often doesn't get to. You're blinded by other things. Okay, so this is good. This is good. Can you break that down for us a little bit, like how that would practically look? So say I'm on a job interview, mm -hmm. right? Um, how does that how does that look in a job interview? I, I admit my weak spots. Like it takes enough self-awareness to go like, I'm really bad at organizing things. I just want you to know that before you hire me. <laughs> you know? I mean, how how vulnerable do you be? You know, like, or you know, I've never followed through on anything in my life. Like, how? Like, like, at what what level of self awareness do you admit to, and what do you say? Like, well, okay, I'm going to let them figure this one out on their own or, or whatever. I, um, I love it. I've actually yeah. had an entire like class period for several semesters dedicated just to this question because it is hard. It's like, well, I have to yeah. tell. It's that question. Like, what's your biggest weakness? And mm -hmm. I work too hard. Yeah, yeah. I, right. I love too much. <laughs> well, and there's always the spin, you know, like my, yeah, my weakness is I yeah. work too hard, but I'm learning how to delegate. Like you, yeah. there's always that, like, you know, the positive news sandwich. Um, but I think part of it is, is there is, while that has become cliche, like how do you spin your weaknesses to be strengths, particularly in a job interview, um, there's a certain amount of being able to articulate that you are learning, that you have something to learn. So if you're an employer and you're interviewing somebody, you know that this person obviously has failings and you don't want to hear about all of them because there is a time and a place for that level of vulnerability. But you want to see some sort of like or I'm going to flip it for as the person being interviewed, you want to be able to show some sort of willingness to be to learn, mm -hmm. willingness to be taught, willingness to be mentored and guided. And that can come out in a number of different ways, but it should come part and parcel with being able to articulate. And this is what I think people struggle with the most is actually being able to clearly articulate what you're bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you good at? Right. Um, 
so when I'm working with students, particularly um, applying for 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 jobs or for internships, a lot of times like cover letters come out looking the same way. Like I'm good with time management and I learned all of these skills and I want to put these skills to use at your company. Um, and we have to go through many drafts. Um, it's you, what skills, like what actually are you saying that you're, that you're good at? Um, and I think it's the same thing when you go back to the vulnerability piece is being able to say like what, what you want to learn. So you don't have to say, I'm really bad at organizing everything and I suck at life mm -hmm. in an interview. But you can say one of the things I'm really looking forward to learning here is how to organize my time in a way that I can supervise other people because it shows you want to grow. It shows that you're willing to be mentored. And I think that willingness to have somebody else guide you is is part of it and it's not just in a job that's that's in life that's kind of that humility is saying you know what these are things i'm good at but i don't know everything so i'm gonna ask for help mm. or i'm going to be willing to learn yeah that's so good so but that does take a, an awareness of your own self right so you right. got to do the inner work ahead of time to know what you need to grow in mm -hmm. ahead of time I think a lot of people actually know. So what mm. I've found in working with students is we always we always start with the sort of vague, amorphous idea of like, here's some things I know and here's some things I can do. And the goal is to end with being able to say, this is what I can bring to the table and this is what I want to work on and this is what I learn. And that knowledge is there. Um, but a lot of times right now, you had mentioned social media. I think that the way that our society communicates or the way that we almost have to communicate sometimes is it's not so much self-promotion as it is self-curation. And I think the idea of curating is is different. You're not you're not saying this is who I am. You're saying here's the this particular part of me that I want you to see in this context. Here's this particular part of me that I want you to see in this context. Um, and a lot of times, particularly with um, students who are entering the job market or people who have, even people who are in a career transition or who have been, and I'm, I'm using this as an example just because it's a tangible example from from life, but I think it it's, it applies in every context as well is um, sometimes we're not, we, we don't know how to articulate that, not because we're not self-aware, but because we've never actually been asked mm. like that kind of conversation or that kind of um, that kind of self-revelation doesn't happen in a lot of communication now, um, unless it's with, close family members or friends or people that you that you trust that you have whereas a lot of the conversation that happens online is this sort of superficial um yeah vague presentations of ourselves but when you actually like get sit somebody down and say no like I want you to tell me about mm -hmm. this and they start thinking about it they can usually get there mm -hmm. um well, something that's on my mind, and this might be a little bit more personal, but we're gonna we're gonna use the free help that we can get, right, John? Yeah, yeah absolutely. This is what we do. We actually bring guests on just so we can have therapy. This is fantastic. I love that. So, John, John brought my mother-in-law. That's true. Oh, sorry, just to do that. So. Yeah, it was. It was great. So, you should listen to that one. So, like, I think something. So, I'm thinking about our listeners that are in the nonprofit sector, mm -hmm. like. There's times that you're dealing with constituents like volunteers or even people that you work for that like 
there's a point of like, well, what do you actually do? Mm-hmm. And like, if you get to that question, mm-hmm. like you're already behind the eight ball Mm -hmm. because you could be doing like a ton of stuff. But the thing is, there's actually an art to communicating what, Mm -hmm. and kind of like John, I think him and I both struggle. We've grown up in a time where it's like, be humble, be humble, be Mm -hmm. humble. But like, I'm thinking of, you know, the 24 year old out there that's, you know, they're at an entry level job. They're doing a ton, but like sometimes their boss, their boss isn't thinking about, Oh wow. You know, Brad's doing a really good job or, mm-hmm. or, you know, um, you know, Bernadette's doing a really good job. They're thinking like, I have to just get to my next thing. But mm-hmm. when they get into a meeting, it's really tough because Brad and Bernadette have to figure out like, I don't know why I picked Bernadette, but it, it was a B. It was there. <laughs> I love it. But, but like you have to art- articulately share, this is what I'm doing and how to do that with healthy self-promotion not mm-hmm. that i mean that's a tough thing i mean how do you how do you coach that um there's a two-part answer to that because i feel like that's that is kind of a universal struggle um so in that universal struggle phase um we sort of I, I first break it down to um to actually just being able i love i'm a Lists are my favorite thing. I am a huge fan of lists. Um, and I think that lists have a certain power that when you start making lists, you can like whittle the list down and you have it. So usually in that, if I am coaching through somebody through that, I make them just start writing. Like literally, what do you do? Um, and a lot of times it starts with the sort of vagueness. Well, like I help out. Like mm. that's not a, that's not really a thing. <laughs> like what, what is the actual action? Um, and you just keep sort of whittling it down until you get, well, the actual action is I take out the trash so that doesn't sound super sexy um but it's it's very important so then you say okay this skill this thing that i actually do what life does it have in the life of the community or whether that's an organization or organization you're volunteering for or or even in a friend group or your family like what does this thing have to do for for this community so for me um and i'll give you an example i'm outside of work um one of the things that I think that I am really good at is um, cooking for people. I prefer to cook for people other like more than I like to cook for myself. Um, and I say good at it because I can make some good food, but also because I enjoy it, but also because it serves a purpose in that particular community. It helps to build relationships. It can bless people. So being able to say like this thing that may seem mundane, like I made turkey meatballs what does what does this bring to the table? Turkey so, meatballs are not mundane, by the way. No, I make good turkey well, meatballs. That, that, I just want to make that clear in front of all the Why God Why listener podcast. I just want to make sure that that's known. Okay, yes. back to what you were saying. <laughs> Very important yeah. fact. Um, but see, turkey meatballs are not mundane, yeah, and um, they serve they can serve a purpose in your community. So whether it's taking out the trash, whether it's doing social media, whether it's you know calling up, um, being a really good person at calling up friends that you haven't heard from for a while because some people are better at that than others. Being able to look down and say, okay, what is this action? And what does this bring to the table? So in a job um, in in a in an organization, whether it's a volunteer or a job position, that's sort of the crux of what we have to get to and it takes time. The second part of that um, is that this is something, and this is something because I've coached, I've coached um, 
a lot of different people. Um, and I specifically spend um, a lot of time coaching young women because I feel like this is something that women particularly struggle with. Um, is and uh, growing up in the church, it was something that I always heard. It's you know the gentle spirit, be humble. Um, and so what I've kind of had to come to is there. There is a difference between humility and complete negation of who you are and what you do. Um, and so a lot of times it's like a humble, I have to be humble. So I can't talk about this thing that I've done or I have to be humble. So I have to be, I don't, I can't be proud of myself. Um, and I, I think that's extremely unhealthy and I'm saying, no, this is. And so if you look at cover letters, for example, the language that a lot of women use in the cover letters gives the credit to everybody else. I was really honored to have this position in this place. Um, I was so lucky to have the opportunity to do this thing. Um, it was, you know, I learned these things because I was, and we believed, like, I believe that I can do this. And so I was said, no, you don't think, believe, or feel like you do when you're on the job. These are the things that you do. And it's okay to say, this is what I do. And this is what I do. Well, um, where you get into the pride piece is when you say, I, when you, yeah, it's that blindness again, like mm. that's, um, I think that pride, particularly on, on the job market, is actually much less of a problem than we all think it is going into the job market. Um, if we were super arrogant and prideful, we probably wouldn't be having that conversation with ourselves. Like, oh, no, I have to make sure I have to be humble. Um, and But if somebody is just completely so unaware of the world around them that they are arrogant, that's usually obvious right off the bat. Mm. Um and so I think it's really recognizing that if you're asking that question to yourself, like, oh, I like I need to be humble. Um, I think I think you're you're already there. So it's it's just really learning how to articulate what you do, can do. Today's guest, Jess Slentz, uh, asking or answering rather the question, why God, why does everyone feel the need to self-promote? Um, as we move into the second half of our conversation, Jess, um, I guess for myself, um, if I were to answer that question directly, uh, before I kind of follow up on that would be, you know, we believe others expect the most of us, right? So I, I work in banking and, um, I tell my staff often, um, to, as I, I believe it's a form of encouragement is I say, um, under promise and over deliver, right? And it's kind of a mantra for, for us. And I say that to them because I don't want them to feel like they can't come into work and be having a bad day or having something in their personal life that um, doesn't totally affect their job performance, but it affects it enough where it may be hard to take the XYZ call um, of a customer that's maybe very high and demanding. And I feel if you set a precedence out of the gate that I'm here for you 24-7, here's my cell phone number, that people will actually take advantage of that and expect you to be there 24 seven. So I do try to encourage them out of the gate when they're, you know, establishing a customer relationship is, Hey, um, you know, don't give them the kitchen sink, you know, just throw bits and pieces out there. Always knowing that you have the ability to give them the kitchen sink, but don't, don't just don't promise it. And I, and I wonder how we can tie that into this question is, do we feel the need we need to self promote because, we think others in the world is expecting that of us. Oh, 100%. Um, I think we, I think we think that other people in the world are expecting us. I mean, and this is something I've struggled with 
myself my whole life is um, that I, you know, I feel like sometimes I'm, I'm not okay to not be okay. And that's honestly, though, when you actually look at the situation, that is entirely coming from myself. It's not actually coming from external sources. But for some reason, that's a narrative that plays in my mind. And I think that I think that has a lot to do with it and that we think that people expect us to, if not be perfect, then to at least be awesome all of the time, which is, you know, not not possible. Um, I think there's the other piece of the that it's just the very human um, fear of rejection. Um, and we've become we've become such a particularly on social media, sort of a transactional society that a lot of that is trying to manage, manage the possibility of rejection, I think. So if I'm, if I am the best possible thing that everyone might expect me to be, then I won't be rejected, um, which also is usually counterproductive. (laughs) So, so do you sense that, that people are getting less able to do this, more able, staying the same, like, like how the... Do what? So Good question. Uh, <laughs> to uh, be able to navigate this well of like explaining their strengths, but doing it in a healthy way. Like, do you feel like it's, it's the same? They're kind of, in your experience, kind of coaching people through it. Um, I think this is, I think it's the same. I think okay. this is something we've struggled with mm. forever. Um, forever being like, I think this is a, I think this is a very human problem. Mm. Um, I think that there's actually examples of that, like with even the, in the gospel, like with the disciples, like they're struggling with this. Paul struggles with this. So I think it's a very human thing. I think the way that it's manifesting is, is maybe different. Mm. Um, so we, right now we can have interactions. I'm going to say the interactions because if you have like 5,000 Instagram followers, we can't really call that those all relationships, but you have interactions with a sheer quantity of people that has never been possible before. Um, and so we're, we're managing that human struggle in, in this massive quantity through these like very short sort of soundbite interactions. Um, and so that becomes, it's, it's so much different than, actually just struggling with it, you know, with a handful of like, you know, 30 close relationships. Um, and I think that's where that idea of curation comes from. And I say that um, having a background in museums, this is like the word that comes to mind most is, so if you're curating something, for instance, the Memorial Art Gallery, mm-hmm. it's like a 10th, what is on display is like a 10th of what the actual collection is. So it's somebody's job to say, okay, for this particular show, we're going to take this 10% and we're going to arrange it in this way. We're going to call it this and these people are going to like it. Um, and I feel like we do that with ourselves for all of these interactions. So, you know, you might have you might have a particular part of you that is like this is the part that's on social media for church and this is the part that's in my class and this is the part that's at work um which is different and i say that saying like that's not that's a slightly different from being um living a lie or being disingenuine i think it's it's trying to manage that that fear of rejection or trying to manage those expectations and all of those different places without realizing that that is actually stressful and not helpful for you at all. How does how does faith motivate 
what you do and in your, you know, discussions and, you know, just where does Jesus come at all? You, you just mentioned, you know, about this is a human need. You see it from the Gospels. But, you know, what do you think Christianity offers to this conversation that maybe other religions or something else doesn't offer? Um, the answer to that is tricky because it's something I so the answer is something I don't have the answer to. <laughs> um, is it something that, I mean, I feel like Christians talk about a lot, which is having your identity rooted in Christ um, to be able to confidently say, you know, I am a daughter of God and this is, this is who I am and it affects how I operate in the world. Um that sounds good and it sounds easy, but I, I don't fully, some days I'm like, yeah, bring it on. I'm ready. Like this is, I am, I am a child of God and my identity is in Christ. And then some days I'm like, ah. <laughs> the world is scary and everyone hates me. And you know, it's, it's, it's hard to stay there in part because I think that's something that is, is, um, because of this sort of self-doubt or this fear of rejection in human relationships, we can bring that, or at least I can, I can bring that into my faith and say like, oh, I screwed up, you know, God's probably mad at me. And then I actually have to go back and say, you know, look at, look at his word and say, that's actually not, that's not true. Um, it's sort of seeping over from other things. So I think, I think the key, the answer to your question is to be able to say, you know, as Paul says, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Like this is, it's okay to say, um, you're proud of yourself. Like Paul said, I'm proud of the Corinthians. I'm proud of the Thessalonians. He was proud of Timothy. Like that kind of pride, that confidence is, is good. And especially if it's, it's boasting in the Lord, um, and saying like, this is like, I, this is what I can do. Not necessarily because I'm the greatest person in the world, but because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, but again, that sounds good, but it's sometimes it's it's not always on a day to day basis. It's it's not always easy to remember or like know even what that looks like. So well, that's something I'm I, thinking working through. Yeah, and I think with this topic, like it's easier to find to discover what it doesn't look like mm -hmm. or what it does. And <laughs> you know, it's interesting to me too. We can all say the same things, but people's reactions to it based on how they know us. Mm -hmm. Are totally different so you know i think about this you know my mode of doing social media is i work a very personal relationship job mm -hmm. so i want to be i want to share the books that i'm reading i want to share you know about my family and i was telling you that you know i'm, I'm in church mm -hmm. you know and i see a man that's about 70 years old on social media and he says to me he's like so glad you didn't post another picture of your daughter you know and and he's like, I'm so glad you got back to posting about books and blah, blah, blah. and and I'm sitting there and I'm like, um, I don't really know what to do with that, <laughs> you know. And and part of it is, you know, I've made the decision to be, you know, online to be there to kind of be a connection to mm -hmm. for my role. And you know, in some ways, only you know the, the motivation, but in other ways people are experiencing that really differently. And that probably says more about them than it does about you. So, I mean, just to the, I, John, how do you navigate that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't know that I'm particularly great at social media. I just navigate it by ignoring it for a while and then returning to it when I have an idea. That's about, that's about the way I navigate it. But I, I do like 
the the line of thought you were going down there, Jess. I was I'm, I was really tracking with you the idea of identity being the source of your curation. Mm-hmm. I like that. I think that's that's mm-hmm. really really important because if you see yourself as a holistic individual, mm-hmm. who you totally are. You're free then to share some parts of yourself in some contexts and other parts of you in other contexts. And that's not disingenuous. That's just just curating. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody share it in that. Did, did you come up with that concept or is that is that something that you've heard or what, like how did that curation? I like it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's a couple of different things. So my my work um, as I'm get all nerdy on you. Here no, this is so, this is fun. I'm I'm a communications <laughs> geek, so okay. I, I kind of geek out on this stuff. Um, so my work as a rhetorician, which is basically like Ooh. I was yeah, study yeah. of persuasive communication, is what mm-hmm. like the art of, commu- of you know, persuasion. You know is that you're not the is. first rhetorician we've had on this podcast. Seriously, we've that had another awesome. one too. Wow, this is fun. <laughs> Jana Moss, episode seven. <laughs> Ooh, let's Excellent. Go. Wow, you know what episode it is. Wow, that's <laughs> impressive. He didn't look that up, anybody. I, I just I just saw him come up with that off the top of his head. That was impressive. That's awesome. Okay. It's good Sorry. host skills right Sorry. there. Yeah, it is very good host skills. Um, so in my study of this, the art of persuasion, basically, it's my focus is on audience. So the fact that we... there And there's I think there's productive and unproductive ways to do this. So there is a... Going back, way back. I, Socrates, not Socrates, but like Socrates with an I. Um, Like iPhone. Uh, He was all about this idea of Kairos, which is the fact that Mm -hmm. to deliver a message and have it be effective, you had to be in the right place at the right time with the right people. Like the right audience was was important. Um, And so when I'm teaching writing, you... I'm very clear about the fact that in order for this to be effective, you need to know who that person is, mm-hmm. where they are, like whether that's, you know, are they reading an email at their office? Because nobody wants to read your email. So if the thing that you want them to get to know is like four paragraphs in, you're already screwed. Right. Put it at the front, front yeah. load that information. Um are they, you know, are they listening to a podcast? Are what are how are they getting this information and what do you need them to? What do you want them to do with it? So that's a lot of times we miss that piece. So when we're communicating, we really are looking for some sort of response. That response can be acceptance. That response can be validation. That response can be an action. Like I sent you this email. Please go do the thing you were supposed to do three days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we, what is that response that we want from our audience? And I think part of that self-awareness is being able to say, okay, in this instance, I am looking, I want my audience to feel connected. So if you're using social media for that, that's a different way of saying for in this instance, I want to sell my book. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying in this particular instance of communication, I'm looking for validation or acceptance, Mm -hmm. but having the self-awareness to say, that's what this communication is about. And so I'm curating it that way. Um, The idea of curating that for me, it just makes sense. And I think that is just because a background in museums, that's how it makes sense in my head. But Paul even did this. He said, you know, to the Jews, I become a Jew to the Greeks, I become a Greek. Like, and he was not a disingenuous person, but he was saying in order to reach the people I want to reach, then I need to be able to sort of understand where they are and communicate to them in a way that that is effective. Um, does that answer your question? 
Yeah. Okay. It just basically, basically you just said you came up with it. So that's all I needed to know that you came up with it, which is, which is good enough for me. That's pretty cool. You're talking about that. I'm thinking like ethos, logos, pathos, you know, all those communications. Oh, I just. Kairos. Kairos is, Kairos is the one. It's like the right people in the right time in the right place. Well, we need to talk about that's a totally separate episode. So I'm going to let Peter ask the next question because I'm going to go, I'm going to start down a geek trail and that's not going to turn out well. So anyway. Well, so I guess, you know, before we kind of come to the close of the show, you know, who who are good examples to you that are living out these principles? And and I'll use the term common good because we don't assume that everybody that listens to the podcast goes to church. But people that you feel like, man, I, I really feel like whether it's social media, LinkedIn, um, whether even it's a, a magazine that you're like reading that like they are living out this healthy self-promotion. You should read more of it. What are some examples do you have? Oh, man. Um, actually, this is an example from this week. There's a podcaster slash author um, that I've uh, fallen upon. Her name is Jamie Ivey. Um, and she uh, her podcast is A Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. And she writes and she speaks um, at a lot of women conferences and stuff like that. And I, she has so integrated the the self-promotion of her business with just a very honest look into her life. And I'm sure that it's, I mean, obviously we, it, it's still, there is still a marketing aspect involved um, because there has to be if you're, if you have a business. Um, but being able to say like, this is, this is who I am. This is what I bring to the table. And also like, Hey guys, I had a really hard day today. Um, it's nice to know that that you're there supporting me and being honest about that. Um, so I think I think she's a really great example. Um, I know that you had Sarah Knight on from Rock Girl Gang. I follow them on Instagram, and I know a number of women who are involved in Rock Girl Gang here in Rochester, and I think that they do a phenomenal job of this. Um, not only a phenomenal job of a healthy um, – integrated self-promotion, but of actually helping women who I said, they tend to struggle with this, um, particularly as you're starting a business or something like that, that they actually do a really good job of helping women know how to do that productively as well. So I think that those, those are two examples that come to mind right now. You know, so I'm thinking about this, you know, three men interviewing one woman (laughs) and you brought that up twice. Okay. Why? Why is that so hard? Because I I think, I mean, I think it's important actually for men to hear that, um, you know, and kind of hear kind of some of the challenges. And you've brought that up twice. You're not the first person I've heard this from. So, you know, talk to me a little bit like, you know, I I think we live in a world now that values diversity, that at least wants to, Mm -hmm. doesn't always get it right. And even just as, you know, there's probably someone here that, you know, they're a man and they're, you know, either overseeing or coaching a woman. How do you get through that? And John and I, we've been open. We've shared, hey, we don't always like to talk about our strengths. What's different about that for a woman that you've experienced that you would want any person who's listening to this podcast to realize? Wow, that's that's a really good question. I also appreciate the the platform to be able to talk about that. So I think there's a tension um there's a tension between we we being women are often enculturated to be supporters. So, um, 
And I, I say cheerleaders, not in like a rah-rah kind of way, but that we are, and it's something that a lot of women are very good at, um, that we, we, we do bring other people in the fold. We can help, um, help each other. We can articulate other people's strengths often better than we can our own. And I think it's something that we've just learned. We've learned from our mothers. We've learned from our grandmothers. Um, I think there's a tension, you know, I, like I said, I, I grew up in the church. And so for, for me and a lot of other women I know who did that tension of like, Oh, the Proverbs 31 woman is, um, is, you know, she's, she's humble, she's gentle. And, but you read Proverbs 31 and she was, an entrepreneur. She was an entrepreneur. Like she was out there. She was running stuff. Like she was, um, she was the, she was the ultimate girl boss. Like it. And so I think there's a, we've grown, grown up with this tension of, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to make waves. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to be seen as a lot of times when women are assertive in that way, they are seen as pushy. They are seen as, um, overly masculine they are seen like we have a lot of times um the statistics are women are paid less simply because we don't ask for promotions in the same way um and it's part of that confidence of being able to say like it is okay for me to put myself out there and not be um and not be seen and or rejected as being too upfront or too assertive or too pushy um and it it's all arenas. So I just recently entered the uh, talk about self promotion and social media, the beautiful world of online dating. Um, and you know, you look at Match.com, and it's there's this tension between well, I want somebody to say like, see like, oh hey, that's a really pretty cool person, without being a with also not saying like, oh, that person is so full of themselves. Um, and I think that's something universally men and women struggle with. But particularly in the workplace, it's something that um, historically women have struggled with more. Um, and it's part of its lacking of vocabulary because we have not been taught by our mentors, which is why women, particularly people like um, the women who are involved in Rock Girl Gang, are so important to mentor others in the community to say, no, this is what this looks like. This is how you say, I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur. This is what my business holds. And so having those role models, having that mentorship is incredibly important for women. Um, sorry, I think there was like three different answers in there. <laughs> Jess, we like to conclude every episode with our final question. Uh, you can hang tight because we let uh, Peter and John handle it first. You'll be our final answer to the question. Uh, what does Jesus teach us about today's question? Why, God, why does everyone feel the need to self-promote? Peter and John. So um, this probably proves my nerdiness, but, uh, you know, Jess, you brought up the word kairos, which is actually used in this verse, uh, Ephesians five fifteen. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And um, in there, making the most of every opportunity, that that's where the Kairos is, mm -hmm. 516. And, you know, I think about that, and I think what we're saying, this is a stewardship issue. Mm -hmm. So maybe you follow Jesus, maybe you don't. But let me give you, I think, what Jesus is kind of saying in this, and I think he's He's saying this, if you walk in the light, like walking in the light is the ability to see, I still have areas to grow in, but God did give me gifts and talents that I can use mm -hmm. and to sit on those and to not use those and not promote those well is 
just as sinful and as dark as over, you know, being proud and arrogant mm -hmm. because the time that we have is so short. And, you know, I, um, I've done a lot of, you know, research on the theology of work. And, you know, when we talk about loving our neighbor, that can be so abstract, mm -hmm. but you love your neighbor when you do your job well. You know, you love your neighbor when you're an engineer and you design a bridge that doesn't fall apart. Yes. You love your neighbor when you communicate effectively for a client, especially if that client's helping other people. You you love your neighbor well when you do the spreadsheet right that the numbers hit. You love your neighbor well when you're a great banker. And we don't talk about that. And I think that that's what this discussion is talking about is using your time well, speaking at the right time, using the most, making the most of every opportunity. And I think that that's what the gospel shapes is Jesus wants to put you in situations with the gifts and the things that he gives. And, you know, going back one last thing is, you know, we talked about Corinthians and in first Corinthians four, four, it says, what do you have that you haven't received? And why do you act like you have it? And I think that that's a powerful question because we have nothing that we got on our own and the right way, whether you love Jesus or not, is to actually give to other people. You know, I've been given so I can bless other people. And I think at the end of the day, Christianity is about identity, but it's about realizing that what Jesus has done for you is the ultimate impact for you to impact and influence other people. So, John, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's wise words, Peter. I I, I think of Jesus himself, so I'm thinking of what we were kind of discussing about identity and Jesus is kind of the ultimate example of this for us, like of, of owning who he was. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, you know, you hear, you see this story in the beginning of his ministry. He's, he's being baptized in this, in this voice from heaven comes and he internalizes the love of the father. Just, this is my beloved son. I'm well pleased with him. Like I, I just love him. And everything in his life kind of flowed out of that love. So, so he was able to, in certain contexts, tell people like, I'm the son of God. He would just blatantly tell, but he wouldn't tell everybody that all the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, but he knew when it was strategic and needed for him to say that to certain groups of people. And he knew when he was going to reveal this part of his character to somebody and this part of his character to somebody. But in general, that didn't happen across the board. He just would reveal certain parts of who he was to certain people at certain times. Dare we say curation. Dare we say curation. <laughs> so, I mean, what you've already explained kind of mm -hmm. got my mind, you know, thinking yeah. about that, how Jesus is, is in some sense the ultimate example of us for us in this. Uh, so... I don't, I think what Jesus would say to it is, wow, this is what I've been, this is how I lived my life. So Jess is onto something here. I think that's what he would say. So anyway, Jess, <laughs> I'll let you have the final word. Um, you guys stole both of my answers. Oh, when you asked that question, uh, my first thought was that the parable of the talents and the fact that it was, you know, we are, when we're given something we are supposed to, it is, yeah, sure, it's on loan, but the whole idea is to actually use it and be able to say, hey, this is what I did with it. Um, and the fact that, I mean, Jesus is the ultimate example of this. And he's he was able to say, like, I am the son of God. And still, when he went into Jerusalem, he rode on a donkey. Mm -hmm. So that 
it's it's being able to be confident and articulate in who you are, but still being humble. Um, so since y'all stole my answers, um, I one of the things that I one of the verses I love about this is actually in Galatians, and I'm looking it up simply because I didn't remember how it was written um, exactly. And it says for, and this is the difference between pride. And that's that confidence. So for if anyone thinks he is, this is the amplified version. For if anyone thinks he is something special, when in fact he is nothing except something special in his own eyes, he deceives himself. So that's that, Mm. that's that lack of self-awareness. But each one must carefully scrutinize his own work, examining his actions, attitudes, behavior. Then he can have the personal satisfaction of inner or inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. Um, and I love that. I think it's because it's giving us freedom to say, yeah, I, I I, did this. I did this. I did this well. And to have self-confidence in that and inner joy in that. Um, but then it's, it's all about like having the self-awareness to not just think you're something when you're not. To actually be that full person like you were talking about, like that whole person. Um, and just know, you know, how to communicate that to the world which is something honestly depending on the context that people have to learn it's not something that comes natural so jess lentz thanks for being part of the why god why podcast thank you thank you so much if you have any questions or comments about today's episode or a previous episode follow us on social media or head over to our website whygodwhypodcast.com thanks for listening